0: Good morning, everyone. Uh, My name is Greg Wolf. I'm the Education Manager for IVM. Welcome to the venue, uh, IVM's podcast. With me today, uh, we're really happy to have Charlie Johnson of Johnson Consulting. Uh, He's one of our ally members. He's also on our ally committee. Uh, So today's interview is just a conversation about uh, what's going on in the world in particular, uh, what cities are doing in terms of what they're building, uh, how they're creating new uh, environments for their citizens to congregate, And what better person uh better to talk to than charlie johnson charlie welcome
1: well thank you i'm glad to be here look
0: forward to having this conversation with you today oh i really appreciate it so so charlie you know i've just as a layman you know i see a lot more entertainment districts popping up um and i really think you know everyone's so it seems to me right now, really wants to get with other people. The, the, there's all these books out there about, you know, loneliness is a real problem in this country. And I, I really feel like you're starting to see a lot of individuals trying to uh, come together more often. Um, and is that, and so I guess the question for you is, you know, are, what are you seeing these days in terms of what are cities building uh, in your experience?
1: Well, I think going back to your premise that people want to congregate, you're certainly seeing that. I think shopping has reduced as mm. a medium for interface, and so events and venues become an alternative and supplement, so people can uh, have that opportunity. I think you know humans are humans; they always will be, and you know the opportunity to uh, meet face to face will always exist. And I think statistically, when you look at the you know the convention and trade show industry. Uh, we have seen solid attendance numbers uh, and those have been steady through ups and downs of economies. And I think, you know, the stimulation that has happened through, uh, you know, the social media has actually strengthened the opportunity for people to want to meet. Right. Um, and we're seeing this happen in small cities and large cities, as mm-hmm. well as, as sports facilities, uh, as well as convention facilities and districts. Um, you know, right in your market, in the, the Dallas Metroplex, mm-hmm. um, working on the Dallas Fair Park.
0: Mm. And,
1: you know, that has been kind of a, uh, a a layback asset, has not been real aggressively managed or marketed. And I think that the intention of, of, of the city of Dallas is to make that a very fruitful and viable entity. So now they've gone to a private management approach and that private manager is charged with vitalizing um the district and so they're going to be required to do a full master plan mm-hmm. and you know, and take advantage of the new light rail that has been added mm-hmm. to the site and then mm-hmm. the bowl uh, is there and and then they have millions of square feet of expo space in right. this capacity so the intent is to create a park leverage the uh, adjacent um, a neighborhood, which has been somewhat um, neglected in, in the city of Dallas's mind, and they want to be able to create jobs, but make it also a uh, an event space that's going to be, you know, from a million and a half attendees a year to three million attendees a year, and actually have uh, the management team really just change the face of that. So it could be an amenity rather than a blight on the community. Hmm. All right, we've seen that happen across the board.
0: Yeah, I've noticed there was an article in Axios a couple days ago where it's clear that more people are moving back to the cities, that suburbs are, uh, or the rural areas are getting more sparse, suburbs are getting smaller, uh, and they are moving back into the cities. And I know that uh, Dallas especially worked really hard to get people to start moving into the city more uh, I know there was a big push for uh, the the light rail system to go underground, so there could be more space for parking, uh, more space for um, uh, residential areas. I mean, have you? I mean, is there a? I know every single city wants to know this. I mean, is there a secret sauce to to getting more people to move to the downtown areas of cities? Is it is it grocery stores? Is it entertainment districts? I mean, have you seen anything that? Uh, And don't 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 get anywhere don't get anywhere don't get any away any secrets. But I mean, just generally trends. Have you seen anything that you just feel like, ah, man, you've got to have this, this, and this to get people moved back?
1: Well, I'm fortunate. I live in downtown Chicago, Mm. and here um, I can get away with no car. I have a uh, a motor scooter that I Mm -hmm. use in downtown, but I use the train system and the bus system and the light rail system all the time. So I think people are looking for convenience. Uh, right. I, I also think the demographics, um, the, the jobs are coming into the downtowns. Um, mm-hmm. and people are able to use, you know, we talked about it, that we want people to socialize more. Well, what's the biggest time eater of of a day? It's probably a, a person's commute to work. Mm. So if we're able to eliminate the, the uh, ability for people to reduce their commute time That'll buy them an hour of time each end of the day, and mm. that can be used for socialization. And right. you know, so, you know, the cities uh, are are very much required to um, invest in infrastructure uh, and, and invest in and in, in recruiting jobs. And then um, we're seeing a big impact of university influence in the in the downtown cores. So if you look Hmm. at what happened in downtown Orlando, for example, around the Amway arena, uh, they have put the University of Central Florida, which is a suburban uh, university has put their creative department in downtown. And so by having the eight bit and what that does is it stimulates volume of people and that allows restaurants to happen, that allows uh, parks and recreation areas to be better utilized. Uh, And then, you know, it's unselfishly, um, the the venues are going to benefit because they'll actually have more people living nearby. Hmm. So if you compare Orlando to downtown St. Petersburg where Tropicana Stadium's located, Hmm. um, you know, downtown St. Pete has done a tremendous job of making its waterfront better, stimulating hotels but still geographically the baseball stadium is located so far away un- until you know several hundred thousand people move into the downtown St. Pete area, which is going to be a generation from now. that baseball stadium is always going to struggle. So you know the commuting time and the distance factors and uh, the, the transit solutions, I think are probably number one on the list that cities need to address and then you know having parking uh, and housing nearby um in the downtown core is really going to be the solution to eliminating that transit so it's going to be oh, go ahead no no i was no okay keep on going. all right so i think you know the, those types of infrastructure improvements are 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 part of the equation when we worked in minneapolis uh, for their five acre urban park in front of um u.s bank stadium in wells fargo wells fargo was very purposeful in putting their um uh, he, uh, one of their office headquarters right next to the stadium in that park uh and the city was be- very purposeful in creating a new uh transit line that went to that area hmm. so by the, when that stadium opened they not only had a new um, what I would characterize as a baby millennial park, millennium park that we have in Chicago, right mm-hmm. next to the stadium. That has turned into a venue that the, the 2,500 employees that work at Wells Fargo um, can now go and utilize that park. And then there will be a natural um, attendance space for all the activities that happen in US Bank Stadium. So those, So
0: you mentioned, yeah, go ahead, sorry.
1: Those kinds of things I think are going to be critically important and, and happening in, in various markets
0: well, you mentioned green space you know I know Dallas has built a park over the uh, the highway that goes right in the middle of downtown. You mentioned a green space just now in Minneapolis you know is there i mean sh- surely that's a new surely it's a growing trend right adding green space to these areas
1: well you know it's it's not a, a it's a historical um, necessity. Uh, mm. Town Savannah, I, I think, really illustrates that. The 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 squares that they have throughout the the city really make that city. Uh, and I think you know the, the fact that we have Millennium Park has completely changed uh, the the appearance and the attractiveness of downtown Chicago. And we're seeing that across the board. You know, we wouldn't, um, you know, de facto, that's kind of what is going to be happening at um, Dallas Fair Park. One mm-hmm. of the requirements of the management team is to cause a city park to be developed there. That's going to be a, a, an active park. And then the balance of the, some of the green spaces of, between the buildings is going to be more of a passive park. So so park space is critically important uh, and it does make the nature of a city uh, attractive. And so, you know, New York has Central Park, uh, but even in the smaller cities, Greenville, South Carolina, um, they are exceedingly proud of the fact that they have the Peace Center, which is a performing arts center, as well as the Bon Secours Arena as kind of dumbbells between um uh, on both ends of their downtown and then they put a trail system in that really wow. links the, the mountains and so it brings people in with multiple multiple modes of transportation bike paths um walking trails uh, interesting downtown anchored by the the venues that are being uh that have been developed in that market
0: so, Charlie, you know you're you're in Chicago. You're you're one of our hosts, as it were. When we uh, our annual conference uh, is this July, late July, twenty uh, first uh, through twenty fourth. So, as a as a local, you know what what is a place if you'd recommend your, your fellow members and fellow ally members and while they're in Chicago, they just have to go eat. And I and I and I ask that we kind of stay away from any tourist traps. You now what as a local, what would you say you got to go to this this restaurant or you got to check out this, this site when they're in Chicago this summer?
1: Well, I love Italian food, mm-hmm. uh, and we have a, a, a wealth of Italian restaurants. Uh, my favorite is La Scarola. Mm. It is uh, kind of off the blue line in um, right outside of downtown. Um, but, you know, you've asked a question that has an infinite number of answers. <laughs> <laughs> you know, everyone's going to want to have a pizza. So my friend right. um, um, Lou Malnati's and Gino's East, those mm-hmm. are, are the best. And then there's are just such a plethora of, of good restaurants here, um, ranging from very um, inexpensive kind of some quasi chain Papianos is an example, um, to you know, the, you know, some of the um, top end restaurants from the United States. I think it would be very interesting and timely if we made a link to the restaurant week event that's happening right now. Oh. Uh, and that would be a, a, a an inventory of the top restaurants that are in greater Chicagoland. And that, if we could do that uh, as a link um, in the um, announcements about the uh, venue, that would really give people a great inventory of all the restaurants that are in in greater chicago
0: land now that's a great idea and Las you know lost corolla. corolla you got it so so charlie you know you you work on a lot of projects around the world um you know and, and it's always this is always a tough question but on the road you know when you're working on a project do you have a favorite kind of food that you like to get or is it do you kind of eat the same type of places you do back, back home
1: i am a explorer okay so you know obviously i eat fairly um um i i 'm an ethnic and cultural food person mm-hmm. I have a Vietnamese girlfriend, so I eat a lot of Vietnamese mm-hmm. uh, and i also um i I think you know whenever I go to I had the pleasure of going to London uh, a while back, and one of my favorite dishes is an Indonesian Dutch dish called rice hm mm. Um, so, and, so anytime I can ever get rice daffle, I have that. And there's there are restaurants here in Chicago that have that. Um, but I am I like Asian, I like, unfortunately, I like all food. <laughs> <laughs>
0: well, you know, that's not, you know, in Chicago, as you said, is an infinite, almost infinite uh, amount of great restaurants. So I'm sure it's very difficult when bringing, you know, uh, taking staff out for celebrations or taking out clients. I'm sure you have a, a wealth of opportunities there for options, so.
1: Oh yeah. And you know, the hotel supply is fairly distributed. Um uh, there are a lot of new hotels by McCormick Place. I don't mm-hmm. know what the headquarters hotel is, um, but the South Loop area where McCormick Place is, on Roosevelt mm-hmm. Road uh mm-hmm. or Avenue, and that whole district has has grown. There's some great uh restaurants. Um uh, Bob McClintock um, favorite one is a couple blocks away from McCormick Place and it's Italian and I forget mm-hmm. the name of it, but it'll be on restaurant week list for sure.
0: There you go. So, uh, you know, everyone's talking about, I think more, how to work more efficiently. You see all these work hard, uh, you know, work smarter type of articles all the time, you know, so could you give us just like one little piece, you know, uh, one little tip that you've, you know, uh, as an example with staying more organized, obviously you do so many projects. Do you have like a single kind of efficiency tip we can give the, the listeners? I'm thinking. That's okay. I know you got, I know how many emails you must get. Like, do you have a certain, you know, do you have a certain way of organizing your emails? Do you really like, or have you seen something in terms of an app that, you know, a scheduler or, uh, you know, I, I, as an example, use, uh, Instapaper. If I'm looking at articles, is it all, you can save your, your article, you know, you're reading, because there's so many aggregate aggregators for news as an example. Yeah.
1: Uh, you know, I think that the, the, the timesheet technology, um, hmm. uh, the various um, tools that Ungerbach puts out—they um, have really gotten sophisticated um, with respect to time management, um, scheduling, um, doing CAD drawings for layouts for buildings, um, and, and you know things of that nature uh, have made the industry much more efficient. You know that we go into some buildings where the backbone of technology is fairly weak um, in terms of schedulings. People are still using Excel. Uh, for some scheduling, and those are in some of the smaller markets, Uh, but I think once some of the management companies come in and Ungerbach and Seabreeze and some of those tools that allow um, the interface between the buildings, um, the reporting that can be provided to um, management, um, the interface with the Convention of Visitors Bureau, uh, I think those have all gotten better, but it still boils down to the individual. So, you know, training, uh, uh, for that is so important. Uh, and they have to be motivated to use these types of tools to become more effective. Right. You know, uh, where was I last week, um, where, um, they were talking about, um, the, um, delivery of messages. So they asked the question, how can I get hold of you as a meeting planner, when I want to get hold of you. Um, and they said, well, we, what we'll do is we'll just give you one of our radios. And so, you know, you can send us an email, you can send us a text, um, but if you have one of our radios, I'm at your service immediately. Um, so you just ping me on, on one of those uh, service radios. And I think that's what the customers are looking for, is that instantaneous um, response time um that really helps solve their ad problems or whatever the case may be so you know the the um staff uh, and the management teams need to be very sharp with respect to the instantaneous expectations that people have and those are critical
0: yeah well then obviously that's that's a skill set that can be used for many different aspects of one's life too to be responsive individuals to to listen to to have kind of a uh, emotional intelligence when it comes to how you treat your customers and your colleagues i would think as well
1: yeah i think you know the interface between people is critically important and the expectations of are, are what have changed you know uh, no longer do i get a weekend free of emails or text messages right you know i don't know so, if i like that or or hate it but you know, i have adapted
0: yeah and i'm sure trying to disconnect to and on a vacation i'm sure it's very important as well that you just uh, you know you how how do you, what did you yeah do, so what word do you just use disconnect I'm i guess that's not I'm unfamiliar huh? with
1: vacations.
0: yeah there you go all right fair enough charlie fair enough so so john when we end the conversation our interview today you know maybe tell us a little about something you know tell us about your aesthetic like when you you know uh, Tell us something about you know you really look for when if just as a uh, as a consumer as it were of going you know uh, visiting cities you know what's something when you're walking around the streets or walking around these districts that really always catch your eye that you really that you really feel like as a visitor not so much as individual help build it but as a visitor what what's something you look for when you when you go oh wow, I really like this entertainment district or this new building something you know what's something that you as a person as a as a user of these spaces what what's something do you really like about that you feel like is a really great thing to look for when you're looking at these these places?
1: Well, I could tell you what I don't like okay and, go ahead and you know a lot of times i, I see artificialness uh in uh, uh districts, some of them you know are 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 you know the same chains. I could be in suburban um Chicagoland or I could be in downtown Kansas City. And all the things are very similar. So what I look for is, you know, first of all, I am an outdoors person and I like nature. So to the extent that nature's blended in uh, is very important to me. And then I think that the the independent restaurants, the independent shops are blended in with the um, mass um, attractors, uh, I think is critically important. And, you know, cities sometimes have to stimulate that, you know the you know there could be grant programs um, for to help stimulate independent um, shops. Um, also, you know doing things to promote the downtown business improvement districts are, are very important. Um, we're working in downtown Billings, Montana right now, hmm. and you know they are going back to the premise of your first discussion: Are people moving into cities or not? Uh, I think people are looking for authenticity in reality. Um, and, you know, Billings is uh, amongst a set of hundreds of cities in North America that are right on the edge. Are they gonna grow and become critical centers or are they gonna be in the decline mode by not investing in their downtown? So there we're working on a very major project that's going to expand, um, it's gonna provide housing but it's also going to expand the downtown university and the hospital district. And, you know, they're going to do their, their effort is to retain businesses to, from leaving um, Montana to go to Denver or other places that are doing these types of things. So on a smaller scale, I want to see authenticity as well as attractiveness blended in with something that an urban person doesn't get. And that's oftentimes green space and you know uh, plants and and nature. So art's also very important. Um, you know I am um, I observe interesting things. The the bear that's leaning on the um, Colorado Convention Center, you know, is pretty interesting. I, I got to go to Lyon, France, and work on their uh, work analyzing a convention center. Uh, And they had a bear exactly like that. Uh, (laughs) And they're close to the Alps in the same way that um, Denver is close to the um, uh, Rockies. So I don't know who cooked up the idea for that bear, but it is something both all generations like and it's distinct to those markets. So I think things like that are going to be adding character and quality and authenticity and people are going to uh, be attracted to that. They don't want the commute times. They don't want the expense of. And I have also observed that millennials like very much the same thing that empty nesters like. Mm-hmm. So you, know, you get a double whammy when you do things that attract um, the younger crowd and the empty nester crowd. Because you know, I think the same products are attracted to them. You know, some are weirded out the older generations, weirded out, but they like weird. You know, so, by some of the younger, um, you know, when you go to Comic Con, you'll see oh, okay, yeah, as well. Um, or South by Southwest, you'll see a cross section of people, and those types of events are you know attractive to everybody, and they also help um, generate volume into the marketplaces, and these. You know, it's a, it's just like retail, they need volume, they need sales per square feet. Um, and you know, the venues become critically important. Um, you know, you look at the area around McCormick place, you know, between white stock Savia or guaranteed rate stadium and all and Millennium park, you have about 20 million people visiting that area as non-workers, non-residents every year. Um, So, you know, we need to make sure that they're properly entertained, um, Mm. have activities to do, or they're going to be wasted. They're going to go to the Bears game and get in their car and drive away. We like to see a bigger resident population come up and be able to walk to those types of activities. And that's what's happening. And people want that.
0: Right. well thank you, Charlie. You you've brought up a, a lot of interesting conversations. I really hope individuals walk up to you after uh, at Vinion Connect and ask you more about this. Uh it's been a very authentic uh conversation and learned a lot. Uh any any final thoughts you want to tell the audience?
1: Well, I'm pleased to take many people out for uh, dinner <laughs> while they're visiting Chicago. We'd love to do that. And you know, you know, we are here to help. Uh the you know, there's a lot of opportunity for cities. You know, I think the funding, getting the funding models figured out properly is really critical for, for doing the right things in the cities. And many, like in Montana, for example, there's no sales tax, Oregon, no sales tax. Um, mm. You know, Meanwhile, cities like um, uh, Florida and Georgia allow local option sales tax for projects like this. So some hmm. cities are disadvantaged, uh, but they have a big job base. You know, obviously, Seattle and Portland have a big job base, but they still need to work on their funding mechanisms. And I think people are willing to pay if they see returns on investment.
0: There you go. Well, that's Charlie Johnson's. Up, uh, oh, no. Sorry. Go ahead. So well, that was my last comment. Oh, perfect. Uh, well, Charlie, it's always a pleasure. Um, and I really think people are going to enjoy. Uh, hearing more about your ideas when we get to Venue Connect. But in the meantime, thank you so much for coming on and we'll talk to you next time. All
1: right, thank you so much. Really appreciate the opportunity.
0: Thanks, Charlie.